When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, my name is Giles Brandreth, and I'm here in a studio near Old Street in London with my friend, the distinguished lexicographer, doyen of Dictionary Corner on Countdown, one of Britain's most wonderful entertainers. Whenever I see her stage show, I think, oh, I hope there's going to be another tour. And there is. It's... Uh, well, actually... No, it's Susie Dent is what I'm oh, trying to lead up to. Oh, for goodness sake. <laughs> Okay, it's Susie Dent. Hello, Thank Susie. Thank you. Hello. I was just, uh, yes, a bit, bit bemused and bumfuzzled by that introduction. Thank you. Do you know the um, the lovely warm up man Dudley Doolittle from Countdown used to call me the Dunyon of Dictionary Corner. I think he was trying to say Doyen, but I quite liked Dunyon. I like Dunyon very much. Are you still on your tour though? I plugged <laughs> no, that because it's I have oh, actually just finished uh, last week. I finished, and I will do some more later in the year. But the current run is is finished just for a bit. Will you be able to come and see my tour? I would love to. I begin. In, I think April the 19th in Torquay. You've the, got loads of dates. Oh, I've got more than 30. I begin in Babacombe, mm. uh, which is near Torquay. It's beautiful. That's a beautiful place. It's a lovely part of the world. I know a bit about it because Oscar Wilde famously oh, went nice. on holiday there. Mm-hmm. And I end up at the Buxton Opera House several months later. Buxton's lovely too. Uh, and it's a brilliant theatre too. I used to go there with Hinge and Brackett. Do you remember Hinge yeah. and Brackett? Yeah. Dame Hilda Brackett, Doctor of Adney Hinge. And I, I wrote the scripts for their series, Dear Ladies, and we did shows at the Buxton Opera House. Anyway, so I shall be on to, and if people want to find out where they can come and see the show, it's called Break a Leg. It's about the theatre. It's a funny stories, a couple of hours. People seem to like it. There's some singing. Uh, and what I like to think of is dancing, but it's not really. <laughs> anyway, I move about a bit. Uh, you can go to my website, which is um, simply my name, net, and then forward slash 2020 tour. We are going to talk today about something we haven't talked about, I don't think, ever before. Mm-hmm. Cops and robbers. Mm-hmm. When you were a child, mm. did you play cops and robbers? No. Did you play doctors and nurses? Yes. <laughs> I look forward. That will be another week we can talk about that. I I, I played cops and robbers. But because I'm, I was always such a goody-goody, oh, I realise that now. You were always the cop. I was always the cop. And Self-elected or did people just say, Giles, No, I just assumed on. I would be the cop. And I did have a helmet and I had a, a little a little truncheon, a little rubber truncheon, <laughs> and a notebook, as I seem to remember, oh, yeah. with a pencil. And I would go around uh, uh, arresting my arresting my friends. So, but there is a whole world. When I say cops, people know I'm talking about policemen. How, how come? Mm. Uh, oh, that goes back to a Latin word, capere, which goes capture as well. So it was all about seizing someone and uh, yeah, placing the hand of the law on their arms, I guess, or on their shoulders. So it's nothing to do with a copper. It's nothing to do with a pencil. I mean, a pen, a, a penny. No, nothing to do with a penny. Because copper is also a nickname for a, an old penny, isn't it? Yes, that's from Kupfer, the German for the, for the metal. Ah, yeah. as in being made of partly of copper? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the old the old penny coin was called a copper, but that's yeah. nothing to do with the copper, the policeman. And, no. and so how long have 
Copper's been coppers. For a very long time, I think. I think it was the American who cut copper to cop. And that was much more recent. But I think it had been called coppers for quite a few centuries. Oh, really? Mm. I mean, formal police only began relatively recently. As I recall, it was the the family of the the great writer uh, Henry Fielding. He and his brother pioneered the police in London that eventually became the Metropolitan Police. Yes, and that was created by Robert Peel, wasn't it? Hence Peelers. And he was the Home Secretary at the he time? He was the Home Secretary, yes. So 19th Peel. century we're talking, aren't we? And that's why... So, so Robert Peel gave us Peelers, which yes. is not a nickname that's lasted, and Bobby, but Bobby has lasted. Yes. And they were Bobbies, as in, more recently, one had Boris Bikes in London, named after a person. We had Bobbies named after Bobby Powell, Robert, uh, Robert Peel, forgive me, yes. Bobby Peel, who founded the police force. Yeah. Now, see, I'm not sure. I think younger people nowadays, I'm not sure they'd use Bobby. They might use, or they probably use cops. They might use the furs because they make a fuss. I think that was where that one comes really? from. But likewise, they're called busies in some places. In Liverpool, for example, they're called busies as well. And as in busybody. Yeah, I think that's because they get busy. Yes, and they're busybodies, exactly. And then on the American streets, of course, you've got the feds, you've got the five O's, you've got the popos. What? Um, popo short for police, I guess. So a whole a whole range of slang that that does come over um, here as well. So, you know, there's a whole slang lexicon to do with um, the police force. And do they have language themselves? I mean, do they, once you become a police officer... Yeah. Do you start talking a different sort of language to the rest of us? absolutely do. So, like all of us, we each have a tribal language when we each part of many, many different tribes. So our hobbies, our professions, our friends, etc. We will all have our own lexicons that, that mark us out as a group. And really importantly, with the police particularly, and as we'll come to a bit later, the criminals, it's designed to keep outsiders out and inside is in and it's a badge of identity and it's unifying. So when it comes to the emergency services, it's often really dark, as you would expect, dark, dark humour because it's a coping mechanism. But, you know, sometimes it's incredibly important shorthand that cannot be understood or must not be understood by outsiders because it is all about secrecy and, and you know, and nabbing the bad guys. And you have delved into this world. You've actually yes. met police officers and discovered the way they speak. Can you give me some examples of the words they use that we don't? Yes. Well, even the, the different groups or the different departments within the police force will each have sort of monikers for um, for themselves. So um, the Diplomatic Protection Group, DPG, are otherwise known as Doors, Pillars and Gates because they're normally seen as standing next to one of them. Hold on, the Diplomatic Protection Group, they're the people who look stand outside embassies? Embassies, possibly. I'm not sure if they're the ones on Downing Street. but um, they, it sounds like they ought to be. Yeah, they probably are. And Royal Protection as well, that sort of thing. Yeah. TPG, doors, pillars and gates. Like it. The traffic police, they actually inspire vehemence not just in the public but also in uh, every other police force. And they're known as the black rats, partly because Ooh. they have a black rat sticker on the back of the car that indicates a traffic cop. Um, but really? also, where, where is this on the back of that car? Well, I, I have looked for one, but this I've heard this many, many times. I don't think it's obligatory, but I think if you do see one on there... A black rat a sticker black rat. On, on a police car? Yes. And according to the other members, uh, other members of the police force, it's allegedly because these are the only animals that will eat their own young. So they're just not popular, the uh, the traffic cops, with anyone, let's face it. Including so their a, own colleagues? Yeah, I think so, yeah. I think so. Particularly paramedics. Paramedics did not have very much love for the black rats at all. And um, you're giving us this as first-hand evidence. I mean, you actually went and researched this in person. Yes, and I had a wonderful 
correspondent and he gave me a lot of insider info both to do with the wonderful jargon of the paramedics and the emergency services but also the police so that was really interesting um I a, had a canine funny, officer uh, canine is a police dog handler obviously the tsg the tactical support group big and muscly they're nicknamed the knuckle draggers I, I was I was about to interrupt you, and then I remembered my New Year resolution of not interrupting you. <laughs> no, and do. my you can throw in your own gems. My, my words died on my lips. I was going to tell you how, as you know, we got a, a Tesla car. Yes, and it something went wrong with it. I sat in the car, and I thought, I know there's a button here I can press that they'll they'll come and rescue me in my Tesla. Anyway, I saw this thing above my head that said emergency. I thought, aha, this is the, I'm in an emergency. The te- I, I don't think I can drive this Tesla. I better press. So I pressed this thing. And a moment later, the screen lit up and there was a voice saying, police, ambulance, oh, no, fire. Seriously. I said, I'm so sorry. It's just, I, it's, the car's making a funny noise. And the thing repeated, police, ambulance, fire. Is oh, this an emergency? Said, no, no, it's not real. It's an emergency for me, but not for you. I do apologise. Uh, and he unplugged me. But the lights, the, the lights are still flashing. I didn't, I didn't, uh, didn't dare press the button again because I didn't want to call him back. No. I was lucky not to get nicked for wasting emergency services time. Yeah. Nicked. Where's that come from? Yeah, and in the nick. I wish I knew. It's actually uh, very elusive. Um, So the OED will say that the use of the noun nick in the sense of a prison goes back to Australian slang, where it began um, meaning a jail. But the verb nick you will find in early glossaries of criminal slang, and we must talk about those later because they're fascinating. Um, So in the 16th century... Someone talks about, um, I never nicked the poorest of his pay. So it meant to swindle or to cheat. So there's always been that kind of criminal link. Maybe it's related to old Nick. It was a nickname for the devil. Who knows if there's a link there. Other people say it goes back to Niccolo, the first name of Machiavelli. Maybe it's a shortening of iniquity. There are so many theories out there, but the answer is we don't know. But it has a clear history within the criminal underworld. Yeah, it's used, but nobody knows quite why. No. Should I give you some of their, some of their other yes. phrases? You mentioned the truncheon, that's called their stick. Their helmet they talk about as their bonnet, which is quite sweet. And their PR is the personal radio, and they used to call that the bat phone, <laughs> which I quite like. Do the different ranks have different nicknames? I mean, is there, you know, plod? Well, where does that come from, plod? As in PC plod, because plod. they plod, they plod the streets. That's ah. as simple as that. Because I think um, Enid Blyton had a character called PC Plod, who was the, the name of the policeman. It's not very flattering, is it? PC plodding along. No, what was the policeman in Noddy? Do you remember Noddy? Oh, mate, but that's the policeman. Is, that he is. Called, is that what you said? I think, yeah. Oh, Enid, Bl- Enid, Enid Blyton created yes, Noddy. He did. Noddy and she and, did. I mean, sorry. Uh, <laughs> you never, you never know. That could be a revelation. <laughs> Enid Blyton turns out to have been a man. Well, there you go. Oh, dear. Yes, they do have, um, they talk about the the police stations, the factory sometimes. That's the local Nick, whereas the New Scotland Yard they refer to as the Kremlin. But they do have nicknames for um, various ranks. So Gov is an officer of uh, at least inspector rank. They will always talk about the Gov. And Onion is a sergeant. Onion. Onion Bargy, Sargey. Oh, that's great. great. Onion onion. bargy, rhyming slang for sargy. I love it. Yeah. Uh, The laziest officer sits in the bingo seat, which stands for bollocks I'm not getting out seat. Oh, I love it. Bongo is an ineffectual police officer who always clocks on but rarely leaves their desk. And that that stands for books on never goes out. 
They have the Muppet, most useless police person ever trained. That's generally used affectionately. A wooden top is one who spends their time dealing with domestic incidents. Why is that? Because the wooden top's sort of family? Daddy wooden top, mummy wooden top. Yes, probably is. Yeah. The wooden top. Oh, I'm going around to the wooden tops. The wooden tops. I don't, I don't think I ever saw the wooden tops. This is, was it an animation? Yeah, it was oh, a okay. stop frame puppetry. It was, I don't know when it was, 60s, I suppose? Mm-hmm. Maybe even 50s. No, 60s. Uh, what um, about yeah. their, their clothes, their uniform? I heard war suit as being one of the... Oh, that's quite nice. Yeah, that's quite nice. War suit. Um, actually, you know, I don't, apart from the, the stick, as I mentioned, and their, and their PR, I'm not sure about the uniform itself and the bonnet. They have various terms for the criminals. So a lag um, is a repeat offender. And yeah. they peddle ice cream. Ice cream, often slang for drugs. And so on. I mean, they just have so many different things. And if we talked about Mr. Sands... Before we have, because you've heard this, haven't you? Uh, I regularly hear it because I travel a lot on the London Underground. Explain to people about this, people who don't live in London, because we have listeners all over the world. We do. Well, uh, in the capital here, Mr or Inspector Sands is a standard code for um, fire. Um, Is it fire? It's usually fire, but it can also mean an emergency. So it's used to alert staff or police without panicking the customers. So you might hear something like, well, Inspector Sands, please report to the men toilets um which i've will never heard that i think the location of well, the fire i know oh, that I sounds see. a bit dodgy oh i see it's it's where the location is i see so i've heard platform so-and-so or the such and such an office so it's indicating the location oh. um and a bomb i'm not sure if this is still the case this may have been superseded but when i was talking to the police officers a, a few years ago the code for a bomb in the underground the london tube was mr gravel What's the one in the theatre? Because there's another one, isn't is there? Is there one in the theatre? I think there is, yeah. I went on a very exciting journey with some police officers a few years ago for the one show. Hmm. They took me on a... Uh, show me how their fast cars work. And it was called Doing the Blues and Twos. Oh, yes. Do you know about that? The blues and Twos is... Well, is that just blue lighting? It's blue lighting and yeah. Twos is flashing lighting, too. So it's two different okay. lights. Yeah. And it was amazing. I, they drove at such speed and the officer who was driving was looking so far down the road. I mean, he was almost looking around the next yeah. corner. That's was, advanced driving, isn't I it? I was deeply impressed by, by the driving. And you know the really annoying civilians who then tailgate a um, a flashing blue light, whether it's an ambulance or a police, in order to get to their destination quickly, and they just basically tag on. Those are called blue wave riders, so they ride the blue wave and are deeply annoying to anyone in the emergency service because they make their lives so much more difficult if they've got a car literally on their tail. Um, taking advantage of the free road. We must turn in a moment. We've given all this time to the cops. We must turn Mm. to the robbers, turn on the suspects. Uh, If you, though, have any queries about any of this or want to get in touch with us, particularly, for example, if you know what the code that they use in a theatre or a cinema is Mm. so that we can all be apprehensive at the same moment, do get in touch. You can tweet us or email us at purple at something else.com this time something is spelled s-o-m-t-h-i-n without a g something else.com purple at something else.com yes and i i suspect that in other countries they'll have their own versions as well which would be fascinating to hear should we take a break Mm. do you ever wonder how celebrities order food like is sarah paulson a diet coke or a regular coke girlie (laughs) some peasant coke no 
Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, nothing. No tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. No tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. We're back. And Susie Dent today is coping with a cough and a cold mm. and is therefore sucking a cough sweet. She's doing this despite the fact that she knows the one thing that annoys me most in the world <laughs> is people phoning up while sucking things, oh, drinking sorry. things or eating things. I haven't got a cold. It's just, it just went straight to a cough. Uh, and I'm absolutely fine, but um, I apologise. I'll try not to suck audibly. We talked about cops. Let's talk about robbers. Do they mm. have a world of, a language of their own? Well, the sort of criminal underworld vocabulary is fascinating to me because the language of crime was the first category of crime to ever be collected. Oh. Um, so in 1535, a printer called Robert Copeland or Copland, there was no E in there. Um, wrote that some, would be amusing if it was Copland. It would be great, wouldn't given it? Given that cops... And robbers. Yeah, anyway, go on. He wrote something called Highway to the Spittle House. Now, Spittle House, uh, it was written with a Y. Um, it was essentially just a lodging house where people gave hospitality. Uh, he collected a whole load of what was known as cant, and that comes from the Latin cantare, meaning to sing. And it was a kind of reflection of the sing-song tones of a lot of the criminals who used it. Because the thing about tribal language, as well as being a secret code, you know, to enable you to, as I say, evade the authorities, etc. It's also banter, much like Cockney rhyming slang, also had kind of criminal beginnings. But it was fun. It was banter. The rhymes were sort of cheery and, you know, again, marked out the group, but gave them a bit of, of wordplay and fun at the same time. And so it was with criminal slang. And it's absolutely fascinating. And some of the crimes in those days, we're talking 16th century here, they sound quite funny, although they were taken very seriously in their day. There was the counterfeit crank. There was the Kirtle, and that's a man who was basically a pickpocket, so named after a Kirtle or a short cloak. Bawdy Basket, and the Bawdy Basket was a female thief who posed as a seller of pins and needles in her basket. They carried out all sorts of crimes that were known as lays, the gooseberry lay, <laughs> and that was the stealing of linen drying in the open air by tramps and thieves. And, and that, the linen was known as gooseberries, and I can't find out why. The whalebone lay, which was using a piece of whalebone daubed with glue to rub a shop till. So I guess they just kind of, you know, stuck mm. it in. The smug lay, which was the selling of worthless goods on the pretext that they were smuggled contraband. The Peter lay, which was stealing baggage and boxes because Peter was a trunk or a safe. There was also the hoist lay, but which was the robbing of a man by holding him upside down and shaking the money out of his pockets. <laughs> I can see that. Can you? Well, I mean, I feel I've seen it in a kind of um, Keystone Cops Mm. movie from the beginning of the 20th century. And then they feared the highwayman who was um, had lots and lots of different nicknames. So there was the Newmarket Heath Commissioner because the Heath was so popular for holdups. They had the tax collector, one of St Nicholas's clergymen. That was definitely a play on Old Nick for the devil. And um, a high lawyer, and that was a pun on the high law, which was somebody who robbed on the road, um, or quite simply a scamp. What so, period is this language from? So these, this is all from about the 1600 to about the 1800s. And it's died away? 
I'm not sure if the crimes have, but certainly the nicknames have died away now. And today, yeah. the language that, as it were, the criminal fraternity would be using today, uh, do they still have banter? They still have, is there still criminal cant? And what are the words in it? There absolutely is. Now, you might know more of this than me because I know you've been to prisons. And, and one of the things I would really love to do is talk to you know a few prisoners about the slang they use. Because a few years ago, there was an article published which suggested that criminals were learning tons of Elizabethan criminal slang in order to evade the authorities. So they thought, well, you know, they understand all our current stuff, all our current jargon, so we're going to go back centuries. Even back to Shakespeare's day, they were going to learn some of the things that criminals used then, and that would become their new code, which I thought was fascinating. But I've never, ever been able to find out whether that's true. But you you have. Well, off and on, I've spent a bit of time in prison. When I was a teenager, I didn't quite know why, it became almost, well, it became my, my hobby. Uh, literally, when I was at school, when I was sort of 17, 18, 19, 20, I began visiting prisons. Mm. And the first book that I published about 50 years ago now was called Created in Captivity. And it was about the, the writing and the artwork of people in prison. And I visited prisons around the world, particularly in North America and in Scandinavia and in Russia when it was part of the Soviet Union. But in this country, I do remember, I kept a note of some of the slang that I heard. And of course, this is some years ago. And I remember that uh, cigarette paper was known as a Vera. Got any Veras? Vera, get it? Why? Could we call it a cigarette paper? It's rhyming slang again. Vera Lin, skin. Oh. So it's skin light. Okay. Uh, vanilla, who's a vanilla? Don't know. It's a judge, rhyming slang, vanilla fudge. And I like this one, kanga, rhyming slang, kangaroo, kangaroo or screw. screw. They called prison officers screws. I don't know why they called them mm. screws, do you? I think it was because the keys were called screws. And so it became the bearer of the screw from yeah, there on in. Um, I was thinking, you, know you, know, you remember those all those kind of Ealing comedy and uh, comedies and the sort of the heists that they used to get up to. Um, there was a kind of semi-affectionate kind of slang that grew out of that as well. So heist is a a riff on hoist. It's always got a bit of kind of bravado and daring do, hasn't it? That word heist, and it's usually a jewelry mm. robbery or something um, over here. Well, you want custard? Is custard? Yep. Mm, custard pie. No. Thai? No. Custard and jelly. It's the telly. Oh, okay. What's well, on I'm the custard? I'm that some of them watch Countdown in, in, in there too. They do. Nice. I, I used to get letters, actually. When people wrote letters, they used to get letters from prisoners. I know they watch Countdown because a few years ago I went to visit, before it closed, Reading Jail. Because, oh, yeah. as you know, That's I'm interested famous, in yes. Oscar Wilde. Oscar Wilde, yeah. And I went to, and the, the governor took me round kindly, and I said, could I see the cell where um, Oscar Wilde was incarcerated here? He was there for nearly two years from 1895. And they took me up to this cell and we went into the cell and there was the prisoner who had no idea who Oscar Wilde was mm. but recognised me from Countdown. Oh, amazing. And he was actually watching Countdown when we turned up. Fantastic. Uh, so that was, well, it was rather nice, poor man. Um, well, I say poor man, I don't know what he'd done. Um, Diesel, I love this. It's slang for prison tea. Named because of uh, rainbow scum on top of the liquid. I'll give you two more, and then I want to see if we can deal with some correspondence before we have to go. Uh, do you know what nostrils are in criminal slang, criminal cant? Mo. Nostrils. Nostrils. A sawn-off shotgun known as the nostrils. Uh, can you picture it? Yes. You just see it. No, because no. your nostrils were your nose cells, remember, and your 
thrill or thrill or thrill even was um, was a hole, which is why when you thrill someone, you pierce them with excitement and basically make a hole in their body with excitement. I used to thrill with excitement to the Sweeney. Do you remember that TV series? Oh, Did Sweeney like Todd. That? That's why it's called Sweeney Todd. But why is it called Sweeney Todd? Sweeney Todd plot? No, Sweeney Todd Flying Squad. Mm, that's it. There we are. That's it. Flying Squad, so named because it could act in all the boroughs, unlike other police forces. Mm. Not because they could fly. Okay. Now, should we do some? Tell me, has anybody <laughs> no. written to us this week? Uh, yes. Well, I have one from a rather disgruntled Ken Cox. He says, can you help strike a blow for the English language? I have six grandchildren and when we pass a McDonald's restaurant, I feel obliged to point out that the drive through T-H-R-U sign is in fact incorrect and should be spelled through normal spelling. Help is driving me mad. The only thing I can say, which I always do, is if you look in a historical dictionary, you will find various spellings throughout history. And granted that T-H-R-U is a kind of American shorthand and a lot of people hate it. It's the same with high H-I, isn't it? High viz, that kind of thing. But in old Frisian, which is where uh, this comes from... speak? No. (laughs) This is looking at old Frisian, which is an old Germanic dialect. You will find it spelt... T-H-R-U-C-H. So it was more through in the McDonald's spelling than than through as we spell it today. And there have been over 500 different spellings of the word throughout the history of English. So, you know, we will be creating these, I'm sure, for the next millennium. So McDonald's have on their side the benefit of history. Possibly. I'm not sure that they did it with that in mind. And through comes from Frisian. We have Frisian cows. And when you go to McDonald's, I know they like to sell quality beef. It could well be that you're eating a Frisian. So maybe it's a tribute to the language and the animal. Okay. Any I other, somehow uh, don't think that happened. Time for one more. Okay. So Susan Malthouse, great name. She's from crazy Australia. And she said we've had ravaging bushfires and golf ball sized hail all in one week. But in my own little world, I'm waiting patiently for the arrival of my first Bub in the coming weeks. So I'm guessing Bub is her baby. Not sure it's her grandchildren, but I think it's it's her. And a friend told me today they were anticipating the arrival news with bated breath, spelt B-A-I-T-E-D. And Susan is wondering, and, and many congratulations if Bubs has arrived, Susan. Um, but she's wondering why baited? Well, you know, what's it got to do with the bait and fishing, etc.? And the answer is absolutely nothing. Because it's B-A-T-E-D, not B-A-I-T-E-D, although almost a third of the records that I looked up in the Oxford English Corpus, which is the database of current language, accounts for that incorrect spelling. So, you know, it's on the up. What does baited without the I mean? Okay, so it's short for abated. In other words, reduced or lessened. So the idea of anticipation is so great that you almost stop breathing. We had trouble, you know, with mice once at home. So I fed our cat Camembert so he could literally sit by the mouse hole with bated breath. <laughs> it's time for Susie's trio. What have you got for us this week? Well, any electorate that's unhappy with their present government can be spoken of as a lot of Grumbletonians. A Grumbletonian is essentially somebody who is very unhappy with their leadership. And it goes back to the 17th century when uh, members of the country party, which rejected all ideas of the government, became known as the Grumbletonians. That was the name that they they gave themselves, uh, which I love because it just 
does mm. was it says on the tin. And um, I think it could be, you know, any bellyacre or moaner or somebody rightly dissatisfied with their government can call themselves a Grumbletonian. Very nice. I like Grumbletonian. I like that one too. Is it time for a drink? Probably not yet. Not quite yet quaffed But if you are heading off for a beer later, you can say that you're off for a cuddle me buff. A cuddle me buff. Yes. So literally cuddle, then me, then buff, which is all really... All one word or the hyphens? All one word. Well, mm-hmm. I think it did sometimes have hyphens, actually. But that's a very old term for, for beer. I have no idea what the buff was there. I mean, buff can mean so many different things, including being naked. So there you go. If you're naked as well and you're having a beer, you've definitely got the cuddle me buff going on. That's nice. <laughs> and haplology... Not many people will have heard of this no, this word, but we will all know what it describes. So that's spelled H-A-P-L-O-L-O-G-Y, haplology. It's a bit of a mouthful, but it's what happens when we kind of eat part of a word when saying it. So, for example, secretary instead of secretary. Probably for probably. February. Library for library. February is the classic example. Yeah, February. And it's because they're so difficult to pronounce because more often than not, we've inherited them from a foreign tongue, even if that tongue might be a classical one like Latin or Greek. So that is haplology. haplology. And we're all guilty of it, I think. I love haplology. Yeah. Oh, those are three good words. Well, uh, before we go off for our uh, touch of uh, cuddle me buff, I like that. <laughs> Let me give you my quotation for the week. This is a little new feature. I've dipped into the Bronte sisters. Uh, A line from Charlotte Bronte. mm -hmm. A wise line. A ruffled mind makes a restless pillow. Oh, that's so true. Uh, If you've enjoyed the show, please give us a nice review. Recommend us to a friend. If you've got a question you'd like us to answer or you just want to get in touch, email us. It's purple at somethingelse.com. Something Rhymes with Purple is a Something Else production. It was produced by Lawrence Bassett with additional production from Steve Ackerman and Gully. And if you don't like it, don't be such a grumbletonian. <laughs>